Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. This week, we're going to be answering the question, is there going to be a housing crash? And let me clear the air uh, by really making it clear to all of you that the reason that there's so much uncertainty about what's going to happen next to the economy and the housing market in particular is because we've never experienced anything like this before. There are a lot of people, most people, that try to say it's just like last time or the time before that or the time before that. And there are elements that are very similar to all those previous housing corrections or recessions or whatever you want to call them. But nothing is quite um, as, I would say, uh, caustic as what we're dealing with now. There are so many variables that are at hand with regards to how this is all going to sort out that it's impossible to really predict what's going to happen next. Uh, so with that said, creating a you know good bit of fear and doubt, unfortunately, with how I opened it, but the reality of it is it's the truth. And Julie and I are not going to lie to you guys. We're not going to just you know essentially be overly optimistic. We want you to be, and this is really the bottom line, uh, hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. And what a lot of people have a tendency to do is they go one of two ways. They start breathing their own hopium and they become, you know, uh, this overly wrought in optimism and thinking the law of attraction is going to work with them. And all this mindset stuff, mindset stuff starts pouring out of the uh, and seething out of the, the cracks and the crevices, because that's what some people, that's where they find their comfort and their security is the mindset stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. And the other group of people, what they'll have a tendency to do is the exact opposite is they'll go super duper negative and the sky is falling. Nothing's going to work. We're all going to be living in caves, um, you know, prepper types. Not, again, nothing wrong with that approach either. Prepping is probably a good idea. But the truth is somewhere in the middle, and I think all of you will agree, but you've got to monitor yourself on what, you're attra- what you are personally being attracted to. Are you being attracted to the hopium types? And there's merits to that. Or are you being attracted to the doomsday types? And there's merits to that. It always comes back to the old conversation about, is it better to be, a, to be a, an optimist or a, a pessimist? And the reality of it is, it's great to have a mindset and approach to life as an optimist, but it's frankly really smart to approach your business and finances as a pessimist, because that means you're creating hedges or you're creating insurance policies or you're creating, um, you know, worst case scenarios, you're gaming them out so you don't get caught by surprise. You are building your life, business and personal life around the idea that tomorrow's gonna be better than today, but you're not stupid and you're making sure that you're hedging in the in the event that that's not actually the case consistently. And that's what we're dealing with now. A lot of uncertainty. Julie and I have been leaning into the whole analogy about crossing the, um, you know, the uh, big gulf or the big uh, gulge gulf with the word the crevasse the crevasse right <laughs> on this rickety old yeah. you know rope bridge where every fourth board is rotten and you don't know which one it is this indiana jones type analogy well that's a really powerful way of thinking about where we all are at now vast majority of people are still on the side where they haven't even seen the uh, the rope bridge let alone put their first uh, foot on the you know first step and some people have already crossed it or are halfway through it you need to be focusing on the fact, where are you? You have to get to the other side because the land you're on now is going to com- is going to completely change. And if you don't get to the other side of that rope bridge, you're frankly not going to make it in the real estate industry for much longer. That again, it sounds scary, but it's also true. And why is that true? 
because everything is changing around you. The nature of how the economy works, and I don't, and I mean that as a profound way as I said it. The nature of how money works, the nature of how debt works, of, of being able to obtain a mortgage, the nature of homeownership, the nature of um, just everything. Everything is profoundly changing at a, at a rate, frankly, in my 52 years, I've never seen before. And I think most of you are right in that same zone as Julie and I age-wise, and you've never seen it either. Some people will say, well, it's just like the you know inflationary bout that we had from 71, 1971 to 1981. Well, it's similar, but let's talk about how that, how that ended briefly. It ended with interest rates on mortgages being 20%, okay? <laughs> 20%. And now people are bemoaning interest rates of 6%. Inflation right now is at 9%. And it, the real inflation rate, many believe, is also closer to 18%. If you can borrow uh, a mortgage right now at 6% with inflation at um, 9%, you absolutely should do it. And we're going to talk about all these reasons why there's not going to be a housing crash. But really what we want you to understand is it's okay to feel uncertainty. It's okay if, you know, a lot of people are, you know, you're surrounded by people that are trying to use their own limited experience on this planet as their only forms of reference as to what's going to happen next. It's okay that you're not necessarily having the clearest sense of direction with your business or personal life. Now that's over. Now we're going to give you the reasons why there's not going to be a housing crash and we're going to tell you exactly what to do about it. And uh, in, in times like this, in any time like this, allow your natural fight or flight instincts to take over. Just make sure you you know click over to the fight part, which means you're going to be wanting to focus on fewer things, which means you're going to want to be developing a good case of myopia. And I don't mean that with regards to you know degenerative uh, vision problems, but actual focusing on fewer things, not more things. Um, and we're going to help you weed through it. A lot of you are looking for a real clear sense of direction. And this week on this podcast, that is our number one goal. We're going to give you the facts. We're going to feed your analytical brains. We're going to give you the reasons why there's not going to be a housing crash. We want you guys to challenge what we're saying. If you don't think what we're saying is correct, make you know light of it in the comments. Let's have a real conversation and let's really work through this together. Because the truth is, and this is how we really feel, okay, and this is the optimistic part, is we really feel there's never been a better time to be in the real estate industry. We feel that if you're, especially if you're a new agent or if you're a grizzled agent who's willing to load in new operating system software, you know, new knowledge bases, you can do so incredibly well because of this market. Why? Because there is so much fear, because there is so much lack of direction, because there is so much doubt. It's in times like this that the greatest um, advancements in humanity always happen. These, you know, people, the greatest fortunes of uh, humanity, greatest fortunes of men and women have always been made during the greatest times of change. And whether you know it or not, guess what, guys? <laughs> we're in one of those times now. Yeah, so after you hear all of the facts, you know, we're all surrounded by the uncertainty. So we're going to give you the drilled down, heavily researched facts up to the minute here. After you hear those facts, the prevailing thoughts that you're going to have will then become confidence, direction, and a sense of purpose. Your purpose is to be of service to others as a real estate professional. Your role is to be of service to those who need to buy or sell a home. Might surprise them that even when rates were 20%, which is dramatically more than the 6% many are bemoaning now, guess what? People still bought and sold houses. You know, that is such a stupid, simple, brilliant, awesome point because people don't realize that people buy real estate no matter what, right? Yeah. They have, why guys? Because you have to live in a house. You have to live someplace unless you're homeless, you know, and well, obviously that's a different conversation. Everybody needs to live in a house. 
whether they're renting or they're buying. So you happen to be, you are smart enough and are smart enough to actually be selling something that people, it's not an involuntary, uh, it's not a voluntary expense. Like, for example, going out to a movie or going out to a mm-hmm. restaurant or buying a new car. This is what we would call a required, absolute, it's like toilet paper. It's a life necessity. It's a life necessity. Gotta live somewhere. You have to have water and food and you have to have shoes on your feet. A roof over your head. A roof over your head. So you happen to be selling something, and I know this is going to rattle the cages of a lot of people, that is recession proof because you're selling something Mm -hmm. that everybody's going to need. And the smart people are buying buying now before prices and interest rates go even higher because guess what? And I don't want to... Julie worked for two days on these points, so I don't want to step on too many of them. But interest rates are going higher. And uh, guess what? Also, home prices are going higher. So the best time to buy was a year ago, but the better time to buy is now. So Julie, let's just get to our first point. Okay. So we'll do the points and then we'll make sure that we're clarifying why these points are so important. Point number one, about 10% of all mortgages are adjustable rate mortgages. Those are known as ARMS, adjustable rate mortgage. Not like during the great housing crash. Fewer than 1% of sales in 2022 so far have been distressed. Those would be short sales or uh, foreclosures, according to the National Association of Realtors, fewer than 1%. And that's actually a historic low. It has gone down year over year, not up. And by the way, how many of those distressed properties, this will rattle, I don't want to say rattle the cages again, but this will surprise a lot of people. A lot of the properties that were were, uh, distressed have been in the uh, distressed pipeline for years in some cases. There are houses that are still to this day, 15 years after the housing crash, where people are still on some sort of workout or you know, some sort of a discounted mortgage payment or whatever from COVID, but also from the great housing crash mm-hmm. that started in 2007. A lot of those are net just now, believe it or not, working their way through finally through the whole pipeline. So the point being, Julie's point here is, there is no real tick up in distressed property. And yet, how many of you have been reading headlines on YouTube, on getting emails about how there's an enormous spike? An avalanche. Yeah, so enormous spike means that nationwide, it went from 800 homes like 850 and oh my gosh that has to be i'm making those numbers up by the way there has to be some sort of big trend and it's going to go from 850 to 1650 and 1650 it's going to be just like last time nope it just isn't going to happen and we can talk about the fact that there might be an increase in distressed property once um you know we do believe there's going to be this uh, inflationary bout is going to become a long-term problem it already is frankly uh, and there will be a downturn in the economy. There already is, frankly. There will be a recession. Uh, the Atlanta Fed said there are, we're already in recession. There will be a unemployment issue that is in the on the horizon. And there might be people that are going to be in situations. You didn't talk about this, did you? Oh, okay, I'm not going to. Julie's giving me the stink eye, so I'm not going to step on her point. Right. So we are going to talk more about this, but guys, stay tuned. All right, point number two, yes, Julie. Yes, well, and let me just add one little thing to number one is this also puts to rest all of the people who said, oh my gosh, all of those COVID forbearances are going to hit the fan because exactly. we're so far out of that now. And in fact, that did not happen. People did get caught up. They did, you know, get back on their feet and get did get those payments going. And that's reflective in this 1%. You know, when that whole COVID thing came out and there was all, there was the, um, you know, the programs to the SBA for, you know, business owners mm-hmm. and there's mortgage forbearances and all the rest of it. You and I actually did the homework on that. 
We went to the FDIC's website. We read all the paperwork. We actually went and, and did real homework on this. And this was uh, two years ago, or almost two and a half years mm-hmm. ago. And we started saying to everybody that would listen in the real estate industry, uh, even though you don't have to put your house in forbearance and your mortgage payment in forbearance, if you have one, and absolutely apply for an SBA loan. And we got so much shit for that. It wasn't even funny. How dare you tell people not to make their mortgage payment? How dare you tell people to take out an SBA loan when they don't have to? To which Julie and I were saying, hope for the best, be prepared for the worst. Well, because those were major times of uncertainty. People didn't know what was going to happen. And all everyone was saying, well, Tim, they're in, and they were lying. They were using bullshit information to try to scare people into not doing what we are prescribing to them. Oh, you don't want to do a forbearance because that means when you're ready to make payments again, you have to write one lump sum check. They made that up. They pulled that out of their, you know what? And we had done the homework. We'd done the research. Julie and I actually called the various government entities and we knew what the actual, uh, it wasn't, it was regulation. It wasn't a law said. Everybody else did not do the work, did not do the homework, was essentially telling you guys bad information. I wonder how many agents were hurt because they did not put their houses in forbearance. I wonder how many agents today listening to us right now, wish they would have done an SBA loan considering those were 100% forgiven if you filled out one form, to which we did tell you guys about this two and a half years and ago. And no, it didn't hurt your credit, by the way. And no, it didn't hurt your credit. It didn't get reported. So all this misinformation that was reported back then was complete crap. And we told you guys, this is what you should be doing because we wanted you even, we wanted you to be prepared for the worst, hope for the best all you want, but don't, you can't live off hopium. You know, you can't breathe hopium. Hopium is something that's going to cause you to not be strategic and making sure you're covering your bets. And that's really what this podcast series is about. Point number two. Point number two, 40% of all homes are owned with no loan. Several states in the U.S., I think there's uh, six to eight states that have more than a 50% mortgage-free homeownership rate. Now, why is that important? Well, you can't default on something that doesn't have a loan on it. You know what we don't have on here, which what? I, well, you might, I haven't read I all your notes. You might, you probably do. <laughs> Did you actually check to see how many houses in the United States are owned outright by financial institutions? Mm, I might not have that particular. Um, yeah. Black, that's a good question. BlackRock. BlackRock. I, they, they own, but that's not enough really to meaningfully, but uh, BlackRock right now is the largest owner of single family homes in the United States. And they're absolutely not selling those. They're going to keep those as long-term Even, rentals. Mm-hmm. And they're just one of many. Again, this is, you could say, well, that has led to the uh, consternation in the housing supply. And that's true. But point being, they're not defaulting. Point number three, Julie. No, exactly. Good point. Okay. Point number three, the average mortgage interest rate for homes closed in 2022 so far, even accounting for the higher rates of late is still less than 4.52% most of which are 30-year fixed loans. Now, 25% of home sales in May uh, were all cash. That's the most updated that we have. So 25, a quarter of the, the sales are still all cash. Again, you can't default if there's no mortgage and you're unlikely to default if your rate doesn't adjust to a payment you can't handle. Again, people will try and make this whole adjustable rate thing. Oh, this is just like last time. This is just like the crash. Well, no, it isn't because the percent of people that have that is far less. And the type of loan is different. Those are 30-year fixed versus adjustable. What happened last time is they would adjust to the point where somebody couldn't handle the payment. The house had not been going up into the, the price where they could refinance out of it. So those things are, are not corollaries. So here's something else. And again, if I'm stepping on one of your okay. points, just you can kick me. But the reality of it is, is in the last 12 months, I'm remembering this. I Hopefully I'm getting this number right. Julie will correct me if I'm not. National rents have gone up by 25%. 
So if you right now are have a mortgage uh, payment that's at, say, for example, a rate of 3% and to rent the similar home is going to cost you something like, uh, you know, maybe 50% more, why the hell would you move? You wouldn't. Now, what this will cause is this will cause people who otherwise would have moved up not to move. Or if they move up, they're going to keep their old house because the interest rate is a gimme loan. It's free money. By the way, we did tell every single one of you listening over the past few years to buy real estate at these ridiculously low rates because we knew inflation was going to go up. There's something called negative interest rates, and I'm going to explain it briefly, but it's very simple. If you if you borrow money today at, at 4.5%, let's say, 4.52%, uh, you borrow money to buy a th- um, and you do a 30-year loan. Do not do uh, adjustable rates if you can afford the payment. And, you know, obviously there's room for adjustable rates if you're not planning on being there uh, for a long period of time. Uh, if you're only going to be there for three or four years you're because you're confident of that's maybe your military or whatever, go ahead and get an adjustable. Who cares? Maybe even buy the rate down. But for the rest of you who are going to be, uh, would maybe not be in a situation where you know for sure you're going to be popping around, moving to another house, get a long-term 30-year fixed rate mortgage, 4.5%. Now, the Fed came, or not uh, not the Fed, but the government came out and said the actual inflation rate now is 9%, which is a historic high. Um, now, the reality of it is, is the real inflation rate, if they were figuring the inflation rate the same way they did it in 1981, right now it would be 18%. But let's just use the government's 9%. That's fine. If you can borrow money at 4.5% and the inflation rate is 9%, that's considered a negative rate by 4.5%. You are actually being paid to take out a loan because the bank is not going to make any money. The servicer is not going to, I mean, the servicer will, but the, you know, this is a bad loan on behalf of the, um, you know, the lending institutions because the inflation rate, but it's great for you. So absolutely positively lock in rates because the inflation rate is essentially bad and it's going to get worse. And you're going to make money because the house is going to inflate. Now, the inflation rate, does that directly correlate to the inflation in real estate? Not necessarily. We're going to talk about what the projected inflation or appreciation rate is for real estate going forward. But really what you're going to find isn't even even in worst case scenario, listening to pretty much every economist that you can find, that it's going to essentially the inflation, the appreciation rate is going to cover the cost of the mortgage. So you're living for free versus renting where your rental price is going or your rental, uh, you know, it's obviously going to get worse and worse. There are, uh, there's a generation of people that are going to be taken out of the potential to own homes because they're not listening to what we're saying. And they're not listening to you guys tell them what we're saying. They're going to, the rates are going to get high, too high to the point where they can't actually afford, uh, you know, the down payments are going to require credit overlays are going to go up. All these things are going to change. And there's going to be people that are going to be caught in long-term cycles of being tenants. There's not necessarily, being a tenant has its advantages, let's be clear. But for the most part, if you want to know the greatest determinant of a negative, or I'm sorry, of a positive net worth, of a large net worth, I believe it was the average homeowner has um, 75% larger net worth than a renter. I think that's right. right. Something enormous. So if you want to know the best way to build wealth in the United States, um, it's basically to own a home. Now, I want to remind all of you, Premier Coaching, it's the next natural step for all of you. Premier Coaching is, we believe from what we're being told, the number one real estate coaching and training a program in the United States. You absolutely positively need to join Premier Coaching. And the best part is it's free. 
Just text the word Premier to 47372. Text the word Premier to 47372. Remember, knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. Tens of thousands of you listen to this podcast and are over on YouTube every single day. The reality of it is, is you're listening to us because we educate you, we motivate you, and our goal is from, uh, you know, being part of your life and and us being part of yours is that we're able then to get you guys into action. That is what you're going to feel. You want to know what it feels like to have uh, be optimistic and have motivation. That comes from knowledge. That comes from knowing what to do. That comes from not being fearful of the future. Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. A lot of you are feeling fear. It's causing you not to take the right actions. It's causing you to amplify the fear. It's causing you to make it so that your future is not going to be as good as your present, let alone your past. I strongly encourage every single one of you to join Premier Coaching. It's free. Text the word Premier to 47372. Or if you prefer to just, or if you're outside the continental United States, just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. Members.timandjulieharris.com. The easiest and the quickest way is just to text Premier to 47372. Remember, message and data rates may apply. Take action on all of this now, guys. And yes, you do. There was some confusion about this. I want to clear the air. You do get instant access to everything in Premier Coaching in the first level, including a daily semi-private coaching call with one of our Harris certified coaches. Be part of the community that's optimistic because they're educated knowing what to do. When you drive past that for sale by owner or you wake up in the morning, you'll know exactly what to do. We're going to give you a schedule. We're going to tell you exactly the exact formula for you to um, essentially ensure your success because of this market. Text the word Premier to 47372 or just go to members.timandjulieharris.com. All right, point number four, national negative equity. Now we're going to use three terms that some of you may understand, may misunderstand, and others may never have heard before. Okay, so national negative equity, also known as being underwater or being upside down on your mortgage. That's where you owe more on your house than it's worth. Thank you. That's the simple definition. Now, that national negative equity has declined 23% in 2022, which is down to just 2% of all homeowners nationwide. Now that 2%, that super micro percent, is mostly made up of people who had very small down payments, people who uh, refinanced up as, uh, as far as they could, but it's still only 2%. Well, that's incredible, right? So one of the, back in the 2007, Julie and I saw the housing crash really start in 2006. You know, we've been doing coaching and whatnot for uh, 20 years, sold real estate for about 10 years prior to that. So when we saw, we knew the market was coming unglued because our coaching clients, and I'll tell you what markets we watch. And now we don't watch these markets now necessarily. We watch different markets. But back then, the bellwethers were San Diego, Miami, and Las Vegas. They were all, you know, Vegas, a lot of vacation homes. Sandy, you guys get the idea. We are watching those markets. We didn't really pay too much attention to markets in the Midwest. Well, other than Columbus, Ohio, and where Florida, we're from. Florida, I think I would add to that. The well, sand states, as they would say. Yeah, Miami. And so what we're, we did pay attention to those markets. And what we saw was the markets uh, would build inventory uh, and it would build inventory like what effectively felt like overnight. Inside of maybe a week or two, you'd see the number of homes go for sale spike and then they would sell off. And then you saw that cycle happen on and off in each of these markets. It was crazy that when you see these charts, it was nuts. In some of these markets, it would be up and down, up and down, up and down. And that lasted about a year until we saw the market go up 
and it didn't come back down. In other words, the available number of homes went up and it didn't go back down. Now, what was that correlated to? Adjustable rate mortgages uh, being uh, essentially ready to adjust. So what we then figured out was in a lot of cases, there were a lot of mortgages. So if someone was in a you know, five, one arm, three, one arm, two, one arm. In other words, the rate was artificially low. Maybe it was interest only for two years. I'm just making all this up, but you guys get the gist of it. And after that, it was going to adjust whatever the prevailing market rate. So what happened was the rate would adjust. Someone was in the house, some investor, some, you know, there were, I had coaching clients, Julie and I had coaching clients mm -hmm. that had dozens of homes and they were all in these, you know, ninja loans, no income, no job. Now they took these loans prior to our coaching them, but you guys anyway, put all these pieces together. There were a lot of people that were it just like with crypto they were paper millionaires <laughs> well the lending standards were non-existent non ninja yeah. standard for no income job or assets and yes listeners you could actually get a uh, mortgage with no income job or assets yeah there's another one called a no documentation loan so in other words people were quote qualifying for that rate and then it would adjust and then, every, you know, the world found out that they were in no way qualified for that actual payment. They were being put into subprime loans and that the subprime lenders, like Julie just said, were not in the, giving too much, two hoots about the quality of the loans. They're just wanting to get the loans and they'd package them off and they would uh, sell them to the secondary market. We know how all that ended up. But the moral of the story is that there's none of that that's happening now. And what you're going to see is in a lot of cases, the um, the equity situations that people have in their houses, the quality of the loans that are that are existing right now. But if there were to be a, a time where people owed too much or the mortgage payment or the I'm sorry, the mortgage balance was worth what the market value was, that would be a precursor to potentially people not wanting uh, people choosing to default. Now, if you add to that, as it was back in 07, the rates adjusting to the point where the mortgage payment was going to be. Uh, greater than the equivalent rent of a similar house in the, that exact marketplace, then you were definitely going to trigger defaults. So that's what happened. It wasn't just one thing. People just didn't wake up one day and say, screw it, I'm not going to make the payment on my house anymore. No. Their adjustable rate mortgages matured. They couldn't afford the new payment or they could afford it. They just choose not to afford it on uh, based on the, the mortgage that it adjusted to. They could have obviously refinanced into another mortgage, but that other rate was probably going to be equally as high. Then they were realizing that the value of their property was uh, not increasing or in some cases because they borrowed against that house or they borrowed, you know, second mortgage did or whatever, that they owed more on the house than it was worth. And that's what triggered defaults. That all, it was a whole combination of things. Yeah. There wasn't a real big spike in, uh, you know, unemployment. There wasn't a big spike in any of these things. It was a lot of really, really risky lending that that's what caused all of it at the end of the day. And then as soon as the dominoes started to fall, they just kept falling and kept falling and it just built up negative momentum and it really built up fast. When So when Julie's giving you all these uh, statistics from these different markets, that's the reason, those are the numbers we pay attention to. We want to know exactly what's happening. If we see something pop up by a tenth of a percent, well, maybe that's no big deal. But if we see that happen two or three months in a row, that's probably an early indicator that something's going to happen. We're seeing none of that in a meaningful way happening uh, for any reason in, in any of the markets we pay attention to anywhere in the country that would lead us to believe there was going to be any sort of precipitous drop in housing prices. Okay. And I don't I, let's round the bend for today. Okay. But I'll, I'll tell you this. This is the other thing. I doubt this is a point. I'll, I'll give you guys really this is more of a an opinion than it is a fact, right? So I'm bloviating now, so be prepared. 
the probability that even if there were to be some sort of huge, terrible, you know, recession, lots and lots of layoffs, people are all over the place, you know, worst case scenario, worse than even the biggest doomsday, uh, you know, people selling the biggest, you know, the horrible nightmare scenarios out there, the worst than they can even imagine. Okay. Do you really think the government's going to allow the banks, the services rather, to start doing uh, wholesale defaults or wholesale foreclosures on people's homes? Zero chance. There is zero chance that there would be any kind of meaningful foreclosure process that will ever start again on an, in a large scale. Why? Most, if not all the mortgages nowadays that are um, qualifying loans and the qualifying loan amount is really huge right now. What is it, Julie? 800,000 in some markets Different by state, but yeah, it's gone way up. I actually think it's a million in some markets. It is. Right. Yeah. So the government basically controls all those loans. And I don't care if it's a Republican or, or a Democrat, a liberal or a conservative, whatever you want to call them, whoever's the president, nobody is going to say, okay, now it's time for us to start foreclosing on people's houses. Lickety split. Here we go. Here we go. Let's start no. sending out defaults. Nobody's going to do that. So even in the scenario, you want proof? Here's the proof. COVID, that's mm -hmm. your proof. What happened during COVID? The government said, okay, we're going to come out with this national forbearance program. You have to fill out one form. You have to say that you were affected by COVID. You have to give us no more information than that. You didn't have to prove or validate anything you were going to say. And then your lender is going to have to, not a choice by Mr. Lender, give you a 12-month deferment or more on your mortgage payment. And yes, the unpaid balance is going to go on the, uh, I'm sorry, the unpaid payments are going to go on the balance of the loan, but there's going to be no hits to credit. There's going to be no adverse reason, nothing whatsoever. In other words, there are going to be programs in place. They probably already are. They're just not official. Sure. That if you are running into hardship, you call up your servicer, your loan is basically controlled by the government and they're going to have a, okay, no problem. So you want to go without making your payment for six months or 12 months. I bet right now, listeners, if you were to call up your lender right now off one call and signing one form, you probably could go without making your payment for 12 months, have no adverse effect on your credit. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not suggesting you don't, you know, make your, fulfill your obligations. We're not suggesting you figure out the gray area, nothing like that. So those of you who are firing away a comment, oh, you're telling people Missing not to be responsible. The point we're making is there's no way the government is going to allow any sort of meaningful foreclosure process to start, even in your worst case scenario, economic crisis. Which it, is unlikely. Which is unlikely. Exactly. You know, Julie and I are friends with Peter Schiff and Peter Schiff He's who we go to for, to feel, you know, basically get a counterbalance to our optimism, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So we just listen to Peter, talk to Peter, you know, he's our neighbor and we'll ask him conversations about this, or the other. And generally speaking, he's going to give us a real dose of a, a counterbalance to our natural optimistic nature. Um, and even in his scenarios, uh, there might be regionalized recessions or regionalized layoffs or industry specific problems, but nothing nationwide. So listeners, here's the bottom line. You need to get your heads on straight. You need to realize that you are in the right place at the right time. Now you get to get your skills in order so you can be of service to others. The opportunity to be of service to others, the opportunity to seize market share, the opportunity to, frankly, we are, you know, like it or not, capitalists to make money has probably never been better than now. So what are you doing about it? 
What are you going to do about it? Do you feel educated? I know you do because Julie does a great job with these outlines. Do you feel motivated? You better because that's the point of really great education. Now get into action. Share these notes with other real estate practitioners. Share these notes with your potential buyers or sellers. Let them know why they do not want a fence set. Let them know why this is now going to be probably one of the last best times for them to, to buy a house uh, and you know get into action. And there's going to be sellers. They're going to say, well, you know what? I was going to wait for you know prices to adjust or whatever, but you need to say to him, Mr. Seller, listen, put your house for sale now. This is an opportunity for you to lock in a long-term interest rate. And Mr. Seller, even if houses don't appreciate by 20% in the next 12 months, and they only appreciate by three to 5%, you'll have locked in a low interest rate today on your mortgage, assuming they're taking one. And you're going to be, actually, you'll end up spending a lot less money over time on the interest on that loan versus what you maybe would have saved if maybe prices had fallen by, you know, 1%, which we don't even think they will. You guys get the point? Oh, and that's another little good closing thought. Mm -hmm. When you hear some of these doomsday uh, shecklers passing along the idea that prices are falling, prices are not falling. That's a lie. The interest, I'm sorry, the appreciation, the inflation on homes is not what it's been. So over the last 12 months, what's it been? 12, uh, 20%? 20%, even more in some markets. Okay, yeah. and, I, and I know Julie's going to give me the stink eye when yeah. I say this. But let's say next year and the year after that, it's only 5%. Now, so what they're saying is, oh my God, prices are falling. Or no. there's some sort of real estate, this, the other thing. That's not true. All that's happening is the inflation this is all projected, by the way, and these guys could be wrong. It actually could be 20%. You know, what I'm saying, listen to what I just said. A lot of people are saying inflation or appreciation is only going to be 3 to 5% or 6% in some markets uh, going forward. They could be wrong. It could be 20%. It could be more. Who knows, right? Um, but here's the bottom line, guys. They're telling a lot of these headlines are leading you to believe that prices are falling because the rate of inflation or appreciation isn't what it's been over the last 12 months. Well, so let's clarify that, right? There is a difference between not appreciating at an outrageous percentage month over month versus depreciation. It Correct. is not the same thing, right? So, and yes, uh, there is a statistic that uh, last month, 25% of all active listings did have a price improvement. That is true. That is not the same as prices falling. That just means that they're being priced more accurately to, you know, uh, measure up with what the actual appreciation is. Okay. Now, then, and you're right that some of these prognostications are going to come out to be kind of a mixture. So take, for example, this is a future point, but uh, a lot of economists are predicting the overall home price uh, appreciation or inflation, whatever you want to call it, for 2022 is going to be somewhere between 11 and 13%. Okay, well, which already is still historically outrageously high. However, that doesn't make a lot of sense when you take into consideration that the first quarter and a half was on average over 20% already insane. year over year. So personally, I think it's going to end up like maybe 15 or so. Personally, having spent a lot of time, I'm going to ask you, you're, okay, you just answered my question, right? Yeah. So we don't believe that what a lot of these people, so a lot of the people that are predicting that the inflation or the appreciation on real estate is going to be single digits, they're politically minded. In other words, they're motive, they have, they have a, an agenda and the agenda is the inflation rate is not uh, increasing. The inflation rate is decreasing because that does favor uh, the the political. It, it, there's political alliances that they're trying to essentially be service be in service to. 
Okay, be very clear about that. So when you hear these people saying inflation is falling, when you hear these people saying appreciation or inflation on real estate is going to level off, I have this simple, very basic question for you that you will then be able to cut through all the all the Mickey Mouse that's out there. Is your personal inflation rate falling? Go and look just 90 days or six months ago. Go look to see what you are. Let's assume you are spending every uh, all your personal expenses were going through an American Express card or whatever it is. Go and look to see how much you are paying for food. Go to look to see how much you are paying for everything. There's been a lot. There's something called the, uh, oh, I should have done homework on this. So there's the inflation that consumers feel. And then there's the inflation that the producers feel. Producer price index, mm-hmm. I think what it's called. So the producer price index is what people that make stuff, what they pay. So what's been happening, listen to what I'm saying now. And I just learned this from Peter, by the way, what's been, well, I've learned it before, but Peter said that there was a huge spike in the producer price index, which I thought was interesting. What's happening is the inflation that producers, people that make stuff, what they've been making less margin on the stuff they've been making because they've not wanted to raise their prices, right? So if you make, um, you know, tables and chairs, let's say, and your tables and chairs have been priced, uh, an outdoor dining set, let's say, you've had it priced for $2,000, $2, and it's been priced for $2,000, give or take, uh, you know, for a year or two, three years. That's been the price in this particular product. Similar products offered by your competitors priced in a similar way. But your actual uh, price that you pay to buy the materials to make said product is increasing by, guess what, 20%. The actual labor amount that you're paying to pay people to assemble such things has increased by, guess what, 20%. The actual electricity, the, the, the amount of money you have to pay the truckers to ship things, the actual trucks, everything has gone up except you haven't raised your prices. So what we're going to see is another increase in prices in a dramatic way on consumer uh, staples on everything that you and I buy, are they're going to take another significant price increase because of the fact that many retailers, people, producers that have been making things have not passed those rising expenses on to consumers. Even in the digital space, the cost to, for example, take out digital advertising or the cost to for server space, so the, everybody is going to see a dramatic increase in the cost of everything, which is going to amplify the amount of inflation that's in the economy, not slow it down. So when you hear people that are saying that the inflation on real estate is going to be, you know, six or seven or five or four or whatever the hell they're saying, they are definitely wanting to tell the story of a le- of lowered inflation or the inflation rate falling because it's not politically advantageous to one of the political parties to have people uh, being pissed off about inflation. So people that feel like they're allies by, you know, one or two degrees of that political party are going to talk stories about the inflation rate uh, being leveling off, or if not decreasing. Okay. That's all propaganda. Now I want to also say that it's also propaganda on the other side. So if you look, I was just giving you guys some facts I'm, I'm, I didn't give you enough numbers, but I was giving you facts about, you know, the, uh, the producer price index and all the rest of it, do your own homework on these things. But I could have been, you could argue that, well, Tim, you're just essentially being the drum of the other political side who's giving a, being given an advantage because of the fact that the inflation rate's high and it makes the existing, you know, you guys get the point. So you could argue these both sides. That's the reason that it's really important so you don't get sucked into somebody's propagandist, propaganda, what's the word? 
propagandized Propaganda. vortex, right? Yes. That it's really important that you do your own homework on all these things. But in the best way for you to do it is look at what your own personal inflation rate is. Because despite the fact that people are saying the inflation on real estate is only going to be, you know, or the appreciation only is going to be single digits. Julie and I, Julie just said it. I mean, the inflation or appreciation on real estate in the past 12 months has already been 20%. Well, how the hell is that going to average out to 5% by the end of the year? It's not. And you're telling me that all of a sudden the calendar is going to tick over and the inflation rate or the appreciation real estate is going to drop to 5%? It's not. So we're seeing what's going to be a continued long-term high rate of inflation, which if you own real estate, is going to translate to an increased, uh, increased um, you know, asset appreciation. Your home is going to continue to go up in value, which leads back to the previous points. Buy a house now. If you're thinking about selling, sell your house now, lock in a long-term interest rate. Do your own homework, be your own expert, be your own guru, but whatever you do, do not be fearful. We're giving you the information. Knowledge equals confidence. Ignorance equals fear. Your homework from today's podcast is to allow yourself to manifest more of the uh, optimism based on the education that you're getting and allow yourself, give yourself permission to start going out in the marketplace and sharing with the world your newfound knowledge. And, you know, frankly, guys, you'll find yourself attracting more people to you because of this market than you ever did in the previous market. Knowledge-based agents in a marketplace like this will dominate. This is the first part, five-part series. We're gonna get to the second part tomorrow. If you're listening to us on our podcast, thank you for continuing to make this the number one listen to daily podcast. If you're over on YouTube, like, subscribe, um, you know, throw in some comments. We're really focusing on building the YouTube channel. Help us to do so. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.